0: facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net or you can do what Timothy did. Timothy sent in a donation via the Zelle app. Just put in box13 at greatdetectives.net and you can automatically uh, transfer uh, to support the program. Uh, you can also mail in a donation to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho 83715. Or you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters like Richard, who has become our latest Patreon supporter at the uh, detective sergeant level of $7.14 or more. Uh, you can support us at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Richard Diamond. Uh, the rebroadcast date on this was August the 16th of 1953, and uh, it originally aired September 27th of 1950, and this one is The Hatpen Murder Case.
1: Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Paul. Oh, pardon me. Huh?
2: you know where I might find Mr. Richard Diamond? You want to hire him? Yes.
1: Well, stop being Sebastian, friend. Come in, come in. Thank
2: you. You're Mr. Diamond.
1: Well, any resemblance to the Irish washerwoman is purely intentional.
2: Do you always do your own laundry?
1: Always. Keeps my petty cash from looking too petty. Sit down, Mr. Uh... Baxter.
2: Clay Baxter from Oak Mulgay, Oklahoma.
1: Clay Baxter from Oak Mulgay, Oklahoma. With a man I guess to be in his early 50s. Straight up, he crowded six foot three, counting the two inch heels on his handmade boots. Looking at him, I thought of an old Remington Trent and suddenly felt like singing a chorus of Home on the Range.
2: I'd like you to come to Oak Mugley with me, Mr. Diamond.
1: Well, why, Mr. Baxter?
2: My brother was killed yesterday. The sheriff in the coroner said it was an accident. I don't believe it.
1: How did you happen to look me up?
2: I raise cattle, Mr. Diamond. I do a great deal of business in Chicago and New York. I wanted a detective with experience, someone with a good reputation. Bless you. I called a friend on Wall Street and he recommended several men. One of them was you. I checked your background. I'm satisfied.
1: Oh, good. I charge 100 a day in expenses. Chicken
2: feed. I'll pay it, and if you catch the man who done it, I'll give you a $1,000 bonus.
1: Oh, well, oh, no, I, I can't leave right away. It'll take me at least five minutes to get my affairs in order.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can certainly see you appreciate a buck. <laughs>
1: Mr. Baxter, I appreciate a buck like a Texan appreciates Texas. Texas? Never heard of it. How was your brother supposed to have been killed?
2: Thrown from his horse. Skull fracture.
1: And you don't believe it? I do not. Why? Too
2: good a horseman.
1: Well, oh, it could have happened.
2: Well, if it did, he'd have taken the fall right. Might have busted something, but wouldn't have killed him. Anything else? His wife. My brother was a wealthy man, Mr. Diamond. His wife will inherit everything. Ranch, cattle, all worth about eight or ten million.
1: You think she had something to do with his death?
2: You tell me, Mr. Diamond.
1: I called Helen, told her I was off to Oak Malgy promised I'd send her a couple of Navajos or whatever they had out there. Then I took Clay Baxter over to my flat and threw a few things into a suitcase. <coughs> Oklahoma's dry. So's Richard
2: Diamond. Might get arrested.
1: I don't want to leave it here.
2: Wouldn't make any difference if it was empty, would it? No. Got a couple of glasses.
1: A fifth usually adds up to a full evening, but that's only when Clay Baxter isn't around. When he poured one for the road, the water line receded six inches. I had a quick one, and he finished it.
2: how how's that soldier?
1: How do you feel? Oh, lively. Why don't we forget the plane? You just start running for the window, and I'll climb on. (laughs) Oak Mulgee, Oklahoma. Population 17,091, according to the last census, and very hot in August. Baxter's station wagon's waiting at the airport, and the driver took us into town where I was introduced to the local law.
2: This here, is Sheriff Billings. How are you, Sheriff? Jim, this is Mr. Diamond. He's a private detective from New York.
1: Howdy, Diamond. Howdy. Private detective, huh? Oh, I've been called other things. Still ain't satisfied, huh, Clay? Not
2: yet. And you ain't either, and you know it, Jim.
1: How about it, Sheriff? You think Mr. Baxter's brother was killed deliberately? Coroner says it was an accident. His head on a rock.
2: That ain't what Mr. Diamond asked.
1: Well, Will Baxter was a pretty good rider, but he could have been thrown. Yeah, I... All the evidence says he was. Could see plain where his horse bolted. What could have made his horse shy? Snake, maybe.
2: Not that horse, and you know it, Jim.
1: Well, maybe he stepped in a chuck hole. He was limping right bad when he got back to the barn. No signs of anyone else near the body? Well, when I got there, some of Will's boys had already ridden out. Who found him? A couple of old miners. Luke and Phineas Merriweather. Well, let's go out to the ranch, Mr. Baxter, and take another look at the spot where your brother died. Will Baxter's ranch is 40 miles from here, Mr. Diamond. Maybe
2: you'd like to go out to my place and freshen up a bit first. (laughs) You go ahead and shave and shower. I'm going to go build me a drink.
1: Hey, this is quite a place, Mr. Baxter. I'm
2: glad you like it. Take a swim in the pool if you'd want, but watch out for the catfish. Catfish? Well, I'm a bachelor. Don't use the pool much, and I don't usually have guests. Love catfish for dinner, so I keep them in the pool.
1: I caught a guy once floating bodies in his bathtub.
2: Don't say.
1: Funny, Harvey. I showered and shaved and met Baxter out by the pool where he was feeding his catfish. I watched a pound of liver disappear like leechy nuts in the Tongue War. And we all headed back to town where we picked up Sheriff Billings. Forty miles later, we pulled up in front of the late Will Baxter's ranch. A little different architecture, but just as impressive as my client's.
0: Good afternoon, Sheriff. Oh, Good
2: Wilma. Wilma. Wilma, this here is Mr. Richard Diamond. Wilma Baxter, my brother's wife. How do you do?
3: How do you do, Mr. Diamond?
2: Private detective. Come up from New York.
3: Oh? Well, why don't we all go in the house? It's too hot out here. And
2: Mr. Diamond wants to go out and look at the spot where Will got himself killed.
3: Certainly. Have one of the boys fix you up with some horses. When you're done, why not stop back for dinner?
2: Mr. Diamond's eating with me, and he's going to be pretty busy for a while.
3: Now, I'll give you a rain check, Mr. Diamond. Oh, thank you. I'd like you to tell me about New York. It's been a long time, and I've almost forgotten what it's like.
1: Let's go, Jim. It's getting late.
3: Bye, Mr. Diamond. Nice meeting you.
1: Goodbye, Mrs. Baxter.
2: Seems all broken up, don't she?
1: Yeah. Where was she when her husband got killed? Perfect alibi. In town all day. A lot of people saw her. Mighty fine-looking woman. Mighty. We all rode down to the stables and one of the hands saddled up three horses and we started out across the open desert. For a man who had spent all his life riding around in taxicabs, the experience was just short of agonizing. Just up ahead, Diamond. Swell.
2: Never rode much, did you?
1: No, I always bounce like this. Like to make my money belt jingle. Uh, well, here it is. Whoa. Yeah, Whoa.
3: Oh!
2: Well, here's where they found the body.
1: Now, uh, uh, what did he hit his head on? That rock right there. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you take an impression of the wound to see if it matched? Nope. Why not? Never thought about it. Well, that's a pretty good reason. Anyway, let's dig that rock out and take it back with us. (laughs) I spent the next minutes limping around looking for something and came up with nothing except a longing for a hot Epsom salts bath. We dug up the large rock and took it back with us to Wilma Baxter's ranch.
3: Oh. 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 Oh.
1: Howdy, sir. Howdy, Frank. This here is Mr. Diamond, Frank. Diamond, this is Frank Kelly, the ranch foreman. Howdy. Detective, fella, huh? Miss Baxter told me about you you are doing some investigating. Yes, sir. Scientific investigation. The way the city boys do it. What you gonna do with that raw? The hopscotch. Oh, uh, on second thought, I think we'll take turns untying the knots in my back.
2: Good warm shower, you'll feel fit as a fiddle.
1: Well, I got a good start. I'm shaped like one. You'll find it a little bit rough out here, Diamond. Oh, I'll get used to it, Mr. Kelly. I hope you're right. Ain't much like the big city. Huh? Oh? Just what is the big city like, Mr. Kelly? I ain't never been there. Just what I've noticed. Looks like a man can get pretty soft living in the city. Mm, Well, I'd like to show you where I was brought up sometime, Mr. Kelly. We never got around to playing cowboy, though. We were too busy kicking each other's teeth out. See you later, Mr. Baxter. So long, Sheriff.
2: I don't think Frank likes you, Diamond.
1: Uh, What about Will Baxter's horse? I can take a look at him.
2: Right over there in that stall.
1: Really pulled up lame.
2: Oh, good horse. Never figured to are shy at anything.
1: Man, look at that. Mm. His hip's swollen. Yeah, he really twisted something. <laughs> Steady, boy. Steady. Hey, that looks like an infection. Yeah, it's a funny thing. It kind of does. What are you getting at, Mr. Diamond? Oh, I'm not getting into thing, Mr. Baxter. I just said it looked like an infection. Yeah, we better tell Mrs. Baxter a frank. Have someone take care of it. Tell me, uh, boys, if you jabbed a horse with something, would that make him bolt? Come on, I want to get back to town and talk with the coroner. Now, look here, Jim. Ain't my word good enough? Why, sure it is, Coroner. But Clay hired Mr.
2: Diamond to do some investigating, and he's doing it. Clay, I tell you, your brother died from natural
1: causes. Uh, I don't
2: think so. But if you insist, I'll show this detective fellow the body.
1: I want the head wound matched to this rock. Okay, but the marchiary ain't gonna like it. They got him all ready to bury. The coroner led me across the street and into a funeral parlor where I took a look at the late Will Baxter. Six years with the fifth precinct homicide and a couple of dozen killings should have conditioned me. But like always, the first look shakes something loose in the middle of my stomach and I have to keep swallowing hard.
3: Looks right natural, don't he,
1: Clay? Yeah. They do a good job, then. And bully for them. And he hit his head right here. Concussion, plain and simple. No other marks or bruises. No. Nope. While the coroner rolled the late Will Baxter into one of the back rooms and made a comparison with the head wound and the rock we'd brought in from the ranch, we went out on the front porch for some air. I lit a cigarette and thought about an old case I'd worked on five or six years before.
2: You got a
1: cigarette? Sure, Doc. Pegayone, all right? Hmm. Funny thing. Head wound doesn't match the rock. Sure doesn't. Mm. Wound is too deep. Rock's round and flat. Nothing sticking up to go that deep. Then I want an autopsy. Why? Fracture still killed him? I doubt it. When someone plans a murder, they don't count on one blow to do the trick. Bet there's nothing else that could have done it. Well, nothing you can see. I've met someone here in Okmulgee that I'm pretty sure is wanted for another killing very similar to this. Now, Doc, go make that autopsy, and fast.
2: You think maybe you found something, Diamond? You, you think Will was killed deliberately?
1: Maybe, but we'll have to wait for the autopsy. In the meantime, I'd like to go out and visit those two old-timers. Luke and Phineas? That's right, Sheriff. Well, it's my dangerous. But come on, I'll take you out. Uh, you better wait here for the report. Mr. Baxter and I will go on out. All right, you can
2: use my horses, so you won't have to go all the way back to the ranch. Horses? Well, the Merriweathers are on the other side of town, not oh. about ten miles, no roads.
1: Oh, horses, ten miles. I mean, never play kick the can again. <laughs>
2: Take the horses, do you,
1: Diamond? Uh, uh, maybe if you could find me a nice, long, thin one. <laughs> oh, holy Ike. Whoa, 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 Steffi. Hey, that's one of the Merryweather's. Well, let's get out of here. Come on, horse. Now, come on. I'm yellow, and I admit it. Now, it's,
2: it's okay, Diamond. That's just the boy's way of letting you know not to come any farther, unless they say so.
1: Oh, uh, swell greetings. What happens now? Hey, up there. Luke. Pinhead.
2: What, up? It's Clay Baxter. I got a friend here who wants to talk to you. Pinhead? Yeah, Luke? Hey, Baxter, got some friend who wants to palaver. I don't feel like palavering. Better shoot him. Giddy up. Just take it easy. Take it easy. They always act like this. Penny don't want to palaver. I got a shoot you cause don't promote. It's
3: important about my brother.
2: Penny? Yeah, Luke? It's about his brother, the dead we found the other day. Oh... All right, I guess. Let one of them come up. Baxter? Yeah, Luke. Send your friend on up. And
1: up I went, leaving my better judgment running off across the desert. I climbed a small hill and found myself standing at the entrance of an old mine shaft. Luke and Phineas and Merriweather stood on either side, shotguns ready, pointed right at my chest.
2: Start talking.
1: Well, uh, uh gentlemen, my, my name is Diamond.
2: Don't pay no import to names, what do you want?
1: Just wanted to ask some questions about the man you found the other day.
2: You a policeman?
1: Well, kind of. Shoot him! Oh, now, 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 wait a minute. I'm not a real policeman.
3: Then what are you?
1: I'm a... I'm a private detective. Luke? Yeah. What's the matter? It's an honest profession. The fellow's got to make a living.
3: You a real live private detective?
1: Well, I'm a private detective. The real live part, I'm depending on.
3: Well,
2: my goodness gracious... Come on in, have some fiddles.
1: Huh?
2: Why, mister, me and Finney read all them stories about you fellas. Uh-huh. We filled up one whole tunnel with old detective magazines. You fellas really are something. Wait a
1: minute. What's wrong? Let's see your badge. Oh, oh, yeah, sure, sure. There you are. Oh, um,
2: Yes, sir. Well, I'll be dogged. Come on in, friend,
3: come on in, in. I'd like to ask you some questions about this here Dick Tracy fella.
1: Well, one minute I'd face two shotguns, the next I was turned into an honored guest. I had coffee and biscuits with Luke and Phineas and answered enough questions about the private detective business to fill a dime novel of my own. I squeezed in enough questions to find out that the boys hadn't seen or found anything unusual when they discovered Will Baxter's body. Four cups of coffee and a dozen biscuits later, I bid the Merryweather's a fond farewell and return to Clay Baxter.
2: They loved you.
1: Oh, worshipped me. They're hmm. starting a Richard Diamond fan club.
2: Well, oh, did you find out anything? No. Uh, well, give me your hand. I'll help you up on your horse.
1: Oh, couldn't I just walk back? Come on, horse. Hold still. Steady, boy. <laughs> Clay Baxter, sitting in the saddle had leaned down, and grabbed my hand to help me up on my horse, and that was when he got it. His horse took out with the wounded man still up and hanging on. I booted my horse in the ribs. Oh! oh! I took off after Baxter like Citation on a good day. I closed my eyes, prayed a little, and tried to remember every jockey I'd ever seen before. Suddenly, I looked up and spotted Baxter's horse dead ahead, standing still and right in my path. Whoa!
2: Well, I guess it's just my time. If I don't die from this bullet I got in me, I'm gonna do it from laughing. (laughs) How is he, Doc? Oh, he'll be all right. Collarbone didn't break anything. How do you feel, Mister Diamond?
1: Uh, crippled. Any idea who shot Clay? No. Clay said he thought it might have been the Merriweather boys. Oh, uh, I, I... No, it couldn't have been. Why not? Well, the Merriweather boys use shotguns, not rifles. What about that autopsy, Doc? Well, come on, what about it? You was right. Will Baxter didn't die from a skull fracture. What was it?
2: I don't know what was used for sure. A long, thin instrument... Whoever did it pulled the lower eyelid down, killed
1: Will Baxter by jabbing
2: something through the eye into his brain.
1: Probably hit him over the head to knock him off the horse, and then got down and made sure. Yeah, and then jabbed his horse in the flank to make him bolt. Nasty yeah, way to kill him, eh? Well, it's been done before. It's not a man's way of killing. Wilma Baxter was in town all day. When Clay comes around, tell him I borrowed his station wagon. Going out to see Wilma? Going out to her ranch. I want to take another look at Will Baxter's lame horse. And, Doc, I want to borrow a pair of surgical probes. I climbed into the station wagon. Close to an hour later, I pulled up on the side of the road. The gate to the ranch house was another hundred yards up ahead. So I piled out, climbed the tall white fence, and slipped into the barn. Steady, fella. Steady. Steady. The horse's left flank was still swollen, very close to a serious infection. I ran my hand over the spot. Steady, boy. There was something still stuck in the flesh, so I used the surgical probes and prayed the horse wouldn't kick my brains out. Oh, oh. Steady, boy.
0: Steady.
3: There. Sorry, fellow. No,
1: so you were a vet, Mr. Diamond. Huh? Oh, good evening, Mrs. Baxter.
3: You know, in this part of the country, you can get shot for horse stealing.
1: Oh, not stealing. Just taking this out of your horse's flank. What is it? That's a piece of a long needle. Might be a hat pen or something.
3: I think you'd better tell me what this is all about. Oh, certainly.
1: Your, uh, your husband was murdered.
3: That's impossible.
1: Uh, suit yourself, but he was. Somebody hit him over the head, knocked him from his horse, jabbed this needle into his eye... Then jabbed it into the horse's flank so the horse would pull up lame, look like it shied. The killer tried to shoot me this evening, but he missed and got Clay Baxter instead.
3: Who do you think did this?
1: I don't know. The method doesn't fit a man.
3: A woman, then?
1: Well, the blow on the back of the head rules out a woman. Too much force.
3: What have you got left?
1: What I started with. A man. And a woman.
3: Very interesting theory.
1: Mm-hmm. You're uh, from New York, aren't you? I've been there. I thought so. Your face is familiar.
3: I haven't been in New York in at least ten years, Mr. Diamond.
1: Oh, funny. Well, I've got to go out to the Merriweathers.
3: Those two old miners who found my husband?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. They saw the murderer. What? Yeah, that's why I know how it was done. I was out there earlier, and I've got to go back after a sworn statement.
3: Well, why didn't they speak up before this?
1: Afraid. Said it was none of their business. See you later, Mrs. Baxter. (laughs) Have another biscuit, Inspector. Uh, uh, no thanks, fellas. Ten's plenty. Uh, So, uh, Will
2: Baxter was murdered, huh?
1: That's right, and Mrs. Baxter thinks you two saw who did the killing.
3: Gonna lay a trap, huh?
1: Yes, Luke, gonna lay a trap.
3: Mm.
1: Now, look, I remembered Mrs. Baxter from someplace the first time I saw her then when I found out how the murder was committed, I recalled a case very similar back in New York. A man was hit over the head, pushed down the flight of stairs, and his brain pierced by a hat pen. A man actually did it, but a woman planned it. The man was caught, but uh, the woman disappeared.
2: Why did they do it?
1: The victim was insured. They wanted to make it look like an accident. Well, come on, we better spread out. We should have company pretty soon. <laughs> The two old-timers took off their coats and gave me some beat-up pants, which I stuffed with pillows and blankets. In five minutes flat, I had two dummies sitting with me at the little table.
3: You, you
2: think they'll fall for
1: it? Well, you can't tell, but uh, you two go on outside and wait until somebody comes in. I just want them to try for one of the dummies.
2: Well, what if he tries for you?
1: Killjoy. Killjoy. <laughs> Luke and Phineas took their place outside the mine, and I smoked a dozen cigarettes, and then I heard someone coming in, moving quietly up the tunnel toward the light. I played it big. Well, that's, uh, that's fine, Phineas. Uh, Now, if you'll just sign this statement. I rolled, and the dummy that represented Phineas Merriweather doubled over from the force of the slug. He shot again, and Luke's dummy toppled. I kicked the lamp out before he got around to yours truly. Two
2: down and one to go, Diamond.
1: I'm afraid I got a big surprise for you, friend.
2: I ain't worried.
1: You should be. There wasn't even close. You're a lousy shot. Yeah. You missed earlier this evening and got Clay Baxter instead.
2: I'll make up for it. No, you won't, friend. Drop it. Uh-oh, you heard him. Drop it. Oh,
1: okay, all right. Don't you? Wait a minute. Where i get the life.
2: Yeah. There. Well, hey, it's a Kelly feller.
1: Yeah, you're getting way out of line for a ranch foreman, Kelly.
2: <laughs> Give it to him, Mr. Diamond.
1: Who had you kill, Will Baxter? You know, Kelly, you said something today about getting soft in the city. I wonder just how soft I've gotten. Maybe
3: you'd like to find out.
1: Turn him loose, boys.
3: Yes, sir.
1: <laughs> go on, I'll go to it, Mr. Diamond. <laughs> I don't like getting shot at it. it. makes me real unhappy when anyone runs around killing people.
3: No, no! Uh, and
1: fight. Now, now, Kelly, why'd you kill Will Baxter? Wilma well, Baxter talked me into it. Promised me a share of the ranch. And for that you killed a man, huh? It's a big ranch. Oh, get up.
3: Sure hate to see you leave, Mr. Diamond. I hate to go myself,
1: boys. Love them biscuits.
2: Mm, Maybe we'll get up and see you in New York
1: sometime. Hey, Kelly's coming, too. Hmm? Doesn't like being tied to a horse like that, I guess.
2: Finny. Yeah, Uh, yeah, Duke. Fella's coming, too. Hit him with something. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Richard Diamond, private detective, has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the Web Surface series, oh, and a man's wife. You're listening to the great detectives of old time radio.
0: Welcome back. Well, I enjoyed this uh, just as much as I did the first time we played it on the podcast. Uh, It's a really good story. It's unusual and is a nice change of pace for uh, Diamond. And it has some funny bits and a decent enough mystery. I do remember being puzzled by this the first time I heard it. Because it had an air date in 1953, but it featured Barton Yarborough, who died in 1951. But, of course, understanding that it was a rebroadcast, that uh, issue is uh, resolved. Arthur Q. Bryan appears as the uh, local uh, police uh, before he took over uh, as Lieutenant Levinson, just before, in fact. All right, well, listener comments and feedback now. Joel writes in, I noticed Diamond's g- girlfriend is absent from these, i.e. the rebroadcast. I miss her. Well, uh, she is in and out of them. Uh, the episode uh, last week uh, featured her. But uh, it is kind of, uh, I think, one of those things that happened after that first season of Richard uh, Diamond the sustained season, those first 52 episodes where I think the series was pretty close to perfect. You had Diamond being Diamond. You had Sergeant Otis. You had the great interplay between uh, Diamond and Lieutenant Levinson played by Ed Begley. And uh, you had the singing, the great music And essentially, after the first season, uh, they dropped uh, a lot of those from uh, subsequent episodes. And it was hard, I think, to find any episode after that first season that really had it all together. And uh, I think that first season, there was just so much classic and really great. That's going to stand out. I don't think Richard Diamond ever got bad. But generally, you'd only have two or maybe three elements of what made the series you know great uh, in its first year to start with. So uh, thanks so much for the comment, Joel. Finally, we have a comment regarding episode 2471, The Kidnapped Policeman. Norman says this was... Also, a uh, Peter Gunn episode. Thanks, uh, Blake. Of course, referencing Blake Edwards, uh, who was a creative force behind both programs. And yeah, this is just one of uh, many cases where someone creates something on the radio and then just repackages it for television, uh, which helped to meet the big demands for writing when you had up to 39 episodes a year you had to produce. Now, those were mostly half-hour programs in most cases, but it was still a challenge. So if you had a radio script you could uh, whip out and uh, modify, that was a big advantage that you would take, uh, take advantage of as a creator because you'd be able to take an existing script, fix it up, and uh, save time and not have to pay anybody to write a new script. So thanks so much. Nice catch. All right, that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Boston Blackie. And then next Wednesday, our final episode of Richard Diamond. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.